Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, well, it's a special one. It's a special Hotel Chocolat episode. Today's Valentine's. So today's all about love. And so I thought, right, what am I going to do on today's episode? I want to do something a little bit special as a little Valentine's bonus. So I thought, who have I had on previously that I love to bits and think will be somebody that I love talking records with uh, that's really funny and entertaining? And I thought, my mate, former musician and now comedian Josh Weller, didn't disappoint. Um, Today's chat's completely different from the usual format. We talk about love songs. We talk about songs of heartbreak. And uh, and we we have a little snapshot into uh, the highs and lows, and predominantly lows, of of, of Joshi's uh, love life uh, in in his more sort of formative years. Uh, It's a really fun chat, and uh, and it's a special for for Hotel Chocolat. Uh, And yeah, let's just get on with it. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast, Valentine Special with Josh Weller. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off The Beat and Track Podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Right, we are recording. Uh, joining me today to discuss 
Love Songs, which is a first for this podcast. Mm -hmm. Josh Weller, hello. Hello, mate. How are you? That, that, that doesn't work. You have to talk. You've just given it a wave. It's not really well, you, how we I, do things in podcasts. No, hang on a minute. I waved because you, you said we were recording video. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. But okay, well, hang on a minute. Oh. Wait, wait. Let's start again. <laughs> Let's start again. <laughs> we're not starting again. I like it. Let's keep oh, going. Let's keep sake. going. Right, fine, fine. Right. Um, how you been, Josh? Because I ain't seen you for... Have I seen you since... Did we meet in the break in lockdown or not? I think not? we met... I think we had a, um, a sort of uh, a coffee, maybe in... Yeah, maybe in the lockdown. I think we had a we we met for some sort of coffee, right? Surely. Yeah. I mean, um, I know that I've just said that you 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 waved because we was doing the film. Are you literally having a tantrum and have turned your camera off? No, I'm uh, I'm trying to send the um, the <laughs> the the what's it called the note I wrote down in in the Uber earlier of. Um, <laughs> of all of the songs here we go so that I've got it on something that I can look at during the interview okay, lovely alright that's all right, good okay, starting, okay start again start, start now okay. no I'm not starting again no this is it this is it <laughs> what's and all man right so um, yeah we did meet for a coffee that was probably I reckon that was like a year and a half ago yeah man it's been a while isn't it so before we get into kind of what what, what this podcast is about today um when I first met you, you were a rock and roller in the Kenneths. I kind of didn't know you when you was Josh Weller, musical artist. Mm -hmm. I met you when you was fronting the Kenneths. And then in the time that I've known you, you've, um, you've took a big step into, into stand-up and, and writing comedy and, and also being the, the, arguably the funniest man that exists on Instagram. Um, I mean, just, just talk a little bit about... The last. Well, let's talk about how you found lockdown um, as a wow. personally and creatively. Um, personally, so four days in to lockdown, I my friend Simon called me and said that he had a frozen chicken that he was going to throw away. Did I want it? So I, and I I wanted it. So I put on my running clothes and went up to his house. And then on my way out, my door saw I saw my a skateboard. That I hadn't been on for 15 years and was like, what could possibly go wrong with me skateboarding up there? And I snapped my Achilles <laughs> and couldn't walk for four months. Um, so my lockdown was um, a big mixture of making loads and loads and loads of content. And that side of it was really fun and really creative. Um, not gigging was uh, not gigging was um, tough. Um, and just I just drank a lot as well, which was not a good. But um, I think I think we all did. But I mean, I guess so many of us had that one luxury a day of going out for a walk. But that mm. weren't happening, was it? No, I was just in my house, and I had, it, and then um, sort of ended up in a sort of uh, war with one of my housemates who then moved out, and it was uh, <laughs> it was it was a pretty interesting uh, pretty interesting year. But um, on the whole, it was. I mean, you know. I feel very lucky to have come through all that stuff. Nobody I know died, you know. You've got to count your blessings. It was all fine. I just sat, I just drank some wine and made yeah. crappy Instagram content. So all things considered, pretty good. So we're at the other side of it now, um, so it appears. And, I mean, when I spoke to um, 
Brett Goldstein on a podcast years ago about comedy. He sort of said it's like, you know, doing these shows is like going to the gym. You know, you have to keep doing them and mm -hmm. otherwise you get, you get out of shape. Is that something that you, you, you agree with? Yeah, absolutely. And it's at, with stand-up, it's very different to... Obviously, music is... I mean, I I didn't really know music in the way that I've been able to know comedy. I, I um, Music was always a real struggle, um, which is why I stopped doing it. And, and comedy has been like that, a, a bit of a dream situation where <clears throat> I haven't really had to work. Not that I haven't, haven't put a lot of work in, but everything's kind of come to me in a, in a way that you, you think is going to, you know, like kind of like this a dream in a way. Um, but yeah, I think you do, I, I have to do five shows, six shows a week to, to keep, to, to get everything good and to tighten up jokes and, and it becomes a weird thing as well, you know, cause you, I think the other week I did 12 in a row and then took like, I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to have three days off. And then after those three days, you start, I, I, you start getting like this weird feeling that you've, um, forgotten how to do it and and that's that is something that i think will pass you know the better i get at comedy i i still very much consider myself a, a student of comedy i'm not i think the world that we live in now with with instagram and with this sort of definition of who you are all the time and people are so quick to define themselves and i see people all the time be like i'm a comedian i'm a pro com i'm a i'm a you know they, they very much want to be the finished article and they present themselves that way. I don't really see myself like that. I, I, you know, Groucho Marx is a comedian. I have got a long way to go. Um, so I very much see myself as learning still, even though it's become a profession, which I'm, I feel very grateful for. Um, I, yeah, this, I'm nowhere near as good as I know I, I will be and can be. So I'm, I'm all in on, on putting in the hard work. You know, the, the main problem is I hate commuting. I hate, I love doing, like I did, um, last weekend I did Leicester, Eastleigh and Deal, which uh, for people listening in, who aren't in England, those are all places in England that just, you know, you, you go to them specifically as a, for me is, you know, I went up to Leicester, down to Eastleigh and then across to Deal three days in a row. And, um, uh, I just, I love doing the gigs. I just hate having to go to them. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I just hate cars and trains. I just, I'm, I'm, I just want to, I just want the Star Trek um, transporter to be invented. Quickly. Nine minutes in before you've mentioned Star Trek. That's not too bad. I'm wearing a Star Trek jacket. Can you? Of course you are. I'm loving the Metallica t-shirt. Thanks, man. Yeah, they, um, yeah, I love the, I love Blitzkrieg Bop. It's my favorite song of theirs. <laughs> oh wonderful i i realized the other day because i i bought um i bought a lakers jumper a chicago bulls jumper and a new york knicks jumper because they're really comfy and i love the designs and i realized that i am the sports version of people that wanker yeah yeah <laughs> when you see someone in a ramon shirt like i'm a I, obviously I'm a big Metallica fan, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it is fun to pretend I don't know anything about them when people ask me. Because people see me and they're like... I, I've had a guy... A guy came up to me in the pub uh, probably last summer and was like, 
because I don't look like a, I'm, I don't look like a metalhead. I look like someone that bought this in a top shop, you know. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So it's nice. To, it's it's very. It's, a guy came up to me in the, in the pub near my house and was like, "What's your favorite Metallica song on that album?" Oh, you wanker! I bet you said something obscure, yeah, yeah. didn't you? Impressive. No, I no, I just went. I just said nothing else matters, which is from a totally different record. <laughs> <laughs> that, that Sandman one yeah I love that mm. big tune I love the new album I love the new Metallica album <laughs> to be fair Metallica's last record was was pretty good was it? it was called Hardwired to Self-Destruct and there's a, I mean the album isn't great but the song Hardwired is an incredible song I can't stand Metallica that's I, I just, Wrong. you know, I, I never got. Obviously, like I'm a lot older than you, and like around the time that I was getting into guitar music in the early '90s was the time that the Black Album come out, mm. and and people were throwing that in conversations alongside, you know, Nevermind and Rage and Jane's Addiction and Pumpkins, and I was like, no, it's not the same. It's, it's like, not the same. It's not. Those are. T- they're, I mean, to be honest, all of those things are quite. I can see how you would link like Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana and you know that that grunge movement and but Metallica also Metallica were f- had f- were the biggest band in the world at that point as well yeah. and there's a through line of um kind of glam rock you can go from ACDC to um Kiss to Metallica in a straight line yeah 100%. and and Nirvana was the rebellion against all of that stuff so yeah I completely understand why. However, I do recommend listening to um, the first, Kill 'Em All, their first record. I think you should, yeah. I, I think it's time, Stu, to re-listen. Okay, okay. I mean, you've got to get past watching the documentary, which is still probably the greatest music documentary ever made. Hands down. Yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> what a bunch of silly sausages they are! Oh, um, glorious. Right. Tell me. What your thoughts are, uh, Josh Weller, on Valentine's? Is this the Valentine's Day special? Me? Yeah, yeah. Jesus. I just thought, who do I love the most that's been on this podcast? And I thought, oh, Josh that's Weller. nice. I, um, I, I'm not uh, much of a romantic. <laughs> um, are you not? I, well, I mean, uh, no. I mean, I, I love, I love all, I love love songs. So um, we can really get into it. Good. But, um, and I'm very touched that you uh, have asked me to be part of your romantic podcast special. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome, Josh. So you're not. You, I mean, well, well, let, let's let's take it back then. And like, what was like your earliest memories of Valentine's? And, and talk about Valentine's days at you know at school I, and things like that. I didn't move to England. Pr- Back to England. So I, I grew up in um, in Malaysia. I moved to England when I was nine. And um, so I didn't know what Valentine's Day was till I was probably 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's uh, kind of around the time you would imagine most people. Oh, I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I certainly don't know but um, from my own experience. But, yeah, tell me about yours. My uh, the, There's two memories that spring to mind. Number one is um, in the lunch queue all the students would uh, give, they'd put um, Valentine's cards in a box and then the teacher would give it to kids as they went in for for lunch, right? And so if a girl liked you or you liked a boy or a girl or whatever, you would 
put it in the letterbox and then the teacher would give it. Um, so, so it had that anonymity and I got a card and I was like, I felt like the cool, I just didn't understand how I'd got a card and opened it up and, and I immediately recognized the handwriting was my aunt's. <laughs> you're not going to tell me she was like a dinner lady as well <laughs> no but she was very sexy no no um, so, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so I just remember the elation to feeling absolute gut wrenching heartbreak in a weird way uh, sums up a lot of my relationship experiences <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Nick Hornby thing, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> it's literally just talking about Nick Hornby. That's quite surreal. You just well, he has a, he has a great bit in High Fidelity where he says, um, which I have a I have a signed copy of right here. Um, oh, wow! And uh, uh, he um, one of the line, one of the bits in High Fidelity is that his first girlfriend, who on the third day that they were going out, he saw her making out with someone else or something. His like best he, mate. Yeah, and he says in a weird way that feeling is is uh, every relationship is a condensed version of that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's so true because when you're young, like you love with your your whole heart, you know. Mm. And every every time you fall in love after that, you use a little bit less of it because because you, you don't want to get that you don't want to feel that pain again. Yeah, um, yeah, it's magic. The, the first time I, I read High Fidelity was, was probably about 95, and I think I'd read Fever Pitch, and, mm. and then it was like, someone went, you need to read this, like, it's you. And I'm sure anybody that's been in bands or, or been obsessed with records and had failed relationships instantly watches that film or reads that book and goes, holy shit. But the parallels... When I was reading that, we was in a, a, a shitty little Renault traffic van going up and down the country playing the two men and the dog uh, each night. And I got halfway through this book and I thought, I'm going to leave this at the venue and not go back to it because I do not want to know how this ends because it just felt <laughs> <laughs> too close to what was going on. I was like, if this don't end well, I don't want to know. But oh, what a beautiful book that is, though. It's, uh, it's a great book, and you know what? The movie's sensational as well. Mm. It's a great. It's a great. I mean, it's not. It's very much an adaptation, very much because it's set in Chicago and it has a happy ending. But um, yeah, if you, I mean, if you haven't seen the movie, it's the definitive um, nerd. I'm. I don't want to use the word incel, but it's the de- definitive man nerd music loser book there is no book that sums up what it's like to be a loser who loves music you're looking at me and i'm looking at you (laughs) (laughs) oh what a wonderful wonderful book Mm. um did did you can you remember like getting your first card that wasn't from (laughs) from your aunt no no i I remember my i remember asking out a girl who Olivia at school when I was about 10 and I told her that I loved her and would she be my girlfriend and she just stood up and went and told the teacher (laughs) (laughs) can you get in uh, trouble for that uh, the teacher came over and went you're too young to like girls like that 
And it wow. reminded me, it felt like, it felt like when I watched um, Annie Hall by the Woody Allen movie, when, uh, when, when, the, when he goes up to a girl and tells her he loves her when he's about 10 years old and the girl yeah. talks to him and she goes, for Christ's sake, Alfie, even Freud speaks of a latency period. <laughs> yeah. Woody Allen's like, well, I, well, I never had one. Um, but that's, yeah. No, those are my two. I don't really remember. I don't. I've never really got cards, man. Yeah. Did you? Were I you got, a bit of a hunk? You, you look like you were probably quite a hunk at school. Right. Do you know what, Josh? You're being kind now, and I like it, but I was far from it. I, I, was, uh, I, was, I was short. I was tubby, uh, and I wasn't that confident. Uh, but I, I did mention on, on, on another podcast that um, I had, I'd never got any Valentines through like, junior school or anything like that. And at the Leavers Disco... Um, I asked um, this this girl Claire Wallace uh, for uh, a, a slow dance at the Leavers Disco, uh, and she said yes. And I had a slow dance with her, and I can tell you the track. The track was the Kids from Fame singing Star Maker, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I remember such, such a romantic song. And I remember thinking. Oh no! This is like the first time I've ever kind of like held or touched a girl in any way, shape, or form uh, <laughs> that, that won't give me mum a hug before bed or whatever. And and I remember thinking, I think I'm going to cry because the song was really no. sad. And I was thinking, and it was a leavers disco. I didn't want to leave junior school because I quite enjoyed it. And uh, and yeah, throughout the whole of secondary school, yeah, I certainly didn't get a card, but I got one. I got one. Uh, uh, this is quite pathetic but I got one when I got to college and I've kind of got maybe a little bit more confident at college and uh, and I was just one of the guys at at college that kind of liked his music and stuff like that and at the time this would have been 91 92 uh, I'd always put like tracks on 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 the jukebox in the common room uh, in my college Uh, and REM had just released Automatic for the People so I'd just literally go and put a quid in and put on uh, all the tracks from uh, all for the people and I just remember got in this Valentine's and it just said uh, uh, dear Stu uh, remember everybody hurts uh, what did it say uh, and it hurts not being with you question mark and as much as like that was probably my first actual Valentine like uh, wait s- sorry sorry to interject Wait, Go for the it. Question, was the question mark where the name would be? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant it yeah. was a question. It ended yeah. with a question. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <Harry>. <laughs> and I remember just thinking, look, this is like my first Valentine, and I don't really know Valentine Protocol, but I was thinking, if there's a girl in this common room that fancies me, I really fucking want to know who it is. Because, <laughs> like, I'd really like a girlfriend, but uh, never found out. Never found out, but um, as pathetic as it is, I still have that card. It's Aww. just kind of one of them things that um, you've just got, you know, you have like, I've still got a couple of letters from like first girlfriends and things like that that I've just kind of never thrown away. And uh, in that little box is, is my, my one and only Valentine, I think. Obviously, I've had Valentine's from uh, my wife since. Don't know if I'll get one this week. I don't think she likes me anymore, but um, yeah. But, uh, can you can you remember like getting? Have you ever got a Valentine as as a grown up? Like aside from being in a relationship? No, I have no memory of no. 
Wait, hang on. I'm trying to think. I mean, not... I mean, girlfriend, uh, ex-girlfriend, but I've never had a mystery. I'm just not the guy. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, I'm not the guy that girl, I, I think girls are like. Oh, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell them I like it, but not say who I am. I, I've never had a Valentine's card in in my life. You know, I didn't think when I said I'd do this show that it would be quite as I'd, I'd experience quite as much trauma as I feel like I'm going <laughs> thinking about all these memories. Um, well, let, I'll tell you it, what, mainly rejection and and people not fancying me. But let's keep talking about it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Josh. Let's talk about something that we've both got huge amounts of love for, right? And that's that's songs. So, um, let, let, let's 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 start first of all, right? What do you regard as being the greatest ever love song? You better send me a Valentine's card. I promise you. This year. I want one through the post with a okay. question mark and All a right. fiver. It, do you know what? It was actually in like, um, what do they call them? Like stencils, like where you used to get like the, 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 the alphabet and then you just like yeah. pencil oh, over the top like of that. it. It was right like that, like a fucking uh, a, a, a ransom note. It was quite Yeah, quite that would be, that's quite yeah. a funny way to send a, a Valentine's card to cut yeah. out the letters. Like, yeah. you know, like, the, like the Riddler <laughs> yeah. did. Some, <laughs> someone loves you. <laughs> I, I've got my eye on you. <laughs> um, sorry, sorry. What was the first, what was the I last question? I want you sorry. to tell me, Josh, what you regard as the greatest ever love song. Oh shit! Um, I actually wrote these down because I couldn't. Okay, Have you got so, some honourable mentions as well? Then 
Yeah, I've got some honourable mentions. So, The Greatest Love Song Ever, I actually wrote um, three Cole Porter songs. So, so I, um, uh, True Love, which is Bing, Bing uh, Crosby and um, Grace Kelly in High Society, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is the most giving love song. Uh, and the chords are unreal. And um, the harmonies at the end are ridiculous. Um, I think that's a really good one. But I also stuck in You're the Top and So in Love. Um, You're the Top is just a nice ditty about, uh, you know, thinking someone's the best thing. And there's that that feeling when you first fall in love and you you think everything's going to be amazing forever. And you have a hop in your step and you hear the birds and you, you just think, I hope I feel this way forever. And I think You're the Top is a nice uh, thing that encapsulates that. And um, So In Love, which is a really dark love song. Um, and that's another thing as well. I, you know, I, I like the dark side of, of, of love songs as well. I think I talked about this last time I was on here. But, yeah. um, so I also put Alice by Tom Waits, which is a song about oh, someone wow. <laughs> who's so in love with a girl that he dies. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and then the last one, I put Deep in a Dream, which is a jazz standard. Okay, uh, I don't know that. Which is, it's a really, the, Ch- I, the Chet Baker version, he recorded a version with um, 50 Italian strings in the late 50s, early 60s. Um, and um, is it Ponzi to say the lyrics? To no, quote the of lyrics? Not. Um, it's uh It's just a really nice love song. It's like... Um, uh, it has these crazy good lines, like the the smoke builds a stairway. He's smoking a cigarette, and he goes, "The smoke builds a stairway for you to for you to descend. You come to my arms, may this bliss never end. Like awake or asleep, every memory I'll keep when I'm deep in a dream of you. It's so good. Um, and then there's also a, the Chet Baker documentary that that they made, Bruce Weber made in the eighties. Chet Baker quotes the song, but he's like mid 60s and about to die and high when he does it and um it gives the song a whole other meaning when you see when you hear his young beautiful voice sing it and then you see just this old drug addled abuser um say why it's beautiful it gives it this really sad tinge so um yeah those are i think those are my would be my greatest but then also there's so many amazing power ballads from the 80s that you could pick, you could just throw a stone at a list of power ballads and one of them would probably be a great love song, right? Yeah, of course, of course. Well, what are you thinking? Um, I want to know what love is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's the journey one? They all sound keep like on, the same uh, song to me. It's not Keep On Loving You, that's R.S.P. No, right? pull the ship into the shore, that one. Oh, well. Oh, <laughs> See, they're all, they're yeah. all the same song. They are all um, exactly the same. I, I would also uh, throw in um, Drive by The Cars. That's that's my greatest love song of all time. Uh, is it really? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And it's just, um, it just, again, a love song that is so true and real. Cause it's it's, like, it's framed you. around mental health as well, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, yeah, I, that would just certainly be up there. But then The Cars wrote so many unbelievable pop songs. Really, you're a big like, fan of The Cars, aren't you? Yeah, it blows my mind that they're not in that they're not revered as one of the greatest guitar yeah. bands of all time. 
it's, it's feels like they're still too ahead of their time in a lot it's of my ways. earliest memory as well of, of being moved by music was was watching drive uh on live aid like and it was yeah just i'd never seen people cry over music but i guess that this the, the, the the images that were accompanying it were probably as, as harrowing as it gets at the time. But yeah, that song, it's just the production on that song just fucking rips me in half every time mm. I hear it. It's, that uh, whole album, that uh, Heartbreak yeah. City is, uh, is, is, is in my opinion, the most underrated electro pop record ever made. Cause it was so far out from what they did. And, um, oh, it was a hit record. It had three massive singles on it, but no one talks about that album as being, yeah. And you can't listen to the Strokes. Even the the trajectory of the Strokes' career is pretty much a mirror image of the Cars. Yeah. Um, but then I would also throw in you could you could throw in the lot Phil Collins songs as greatest love songs of all time. Why are you, um, Why are you smirking? What's funny? Well, because he gets a bad rep, but he's he's a sickhead. Phil Collins is. I like a I like a pop star who looks like. I want my pop stars to look like divorced dads. <laughs> In the eighties, like the most famous people were like Phil Collins, Bob Hoskins. Like they're all coming round to do your painting, decorating, and then they're also entertaining you at the same time. It wouldn't happen now. You wouldn't really get the um, late thirties average Joe, every every man pop star now. It it, it wouldn't really happen. Um, Peter Gabriel, you know, he was sort of one of them, wasn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. You could also throw in Salisbury Hill, great love song. Yeah. Not sure Don't if it's up. a love song, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, let's let's talk let's talk Collins and love because I, I think like against all odds, he's an absolute beauty. Oh my god, is that um? So take a look at me. Of course, now. yeah. Oh, <laughs> and just da, 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 the way it builds. Just it's just like yeah. boom. Boom, up, up, up. So, you know what is another one is, um, uh, it's not um, Phil Collins, but um, All By Myself, Cartman, oh, what's that guy's name? I always want to Eric, say Eric Cartman. It is Eric Cartman. It is Cartman. Eric Cartman. Yeah. Not um, Cartman, Cartman. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Cartman. so good. <laughs> but, that, but that's an um, because that's based on, um, that's Rachmaninoff's Piano Concerto Number no. 2. Oh, okay. Note, note for note, note for note. So, um, all by myself is and that's the exact melody of Rachmaninoff's Piano Concerto Number Two. Um, but I always think it would be so. I would love to see Rachmaninoff listen to All by Myself because he wrote this beautiful piece of classical music with this unbelievable top line that in like 1984 some guy on a drive home probably had done a few lines and heard it and was like oh my god and then I'd love to see what Rachmaninoff thought when he heard it and not only heard it but heard the chorus that doesn't exist in Rachmaninoff's piece and is just absolutely unreal yeah it must be such as it must have I mean you know We'll never know, but like it would be so interesting to hear the the writer of that song go, "Oh, what's it? Oh, this is awful. What's this pian- electric piano and this man singing?" And then, and then hear the chorus and be like, "Oh no, yeah, he improved it. Okay, fair enough." Well, you you started out talking about love songs that that encapsulate that moment where you know 
everything's to be played for, everything's good, you've got that spring in your step, and you've, you've literally moved it around to uh, all by myself, which you could not scream heartbreak anymore. Um, mm. What song reminds you of the first time you had your heart broken? Have you had your well, heart broken? Of course, yeah. Yeah, 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 many times. It's just... Um, yeah, it's just it's just rubble left now. <laughs> um, uh, I should just start crying now, shouldn't I? Wouldn't that be great? We'll edit um, this bit out, and then I'll ask yeah, you the yeah. question again, and then just burst into tears. Just a single tear. <laughs> well, and, and, and I'll just literally put "Against All Odds" by Phil Collins in the background softly. <laughs> be lovely. Can we fade out the show to it? <laughs> yeah. Do 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 do. The, I mean, to be honest with you, my first heartbreak was I was like an emo pop punk Oh, kid. God, that's going to be heavy. Emo's you know? having heartbreak. Yeah, and so the the first real heartbreak was would have been soundtrack to like, um, like MXPX or Descendants or Blink-182 or Atari's or, um, you know, that kind of the, the, the sad side of, of pop punk, you know. Mm. Um, and as you get older, you realize, you know, a lot of those bands aren't good, but the people that inspired them are very good. Um, you know, if anyone listening to this hasn't listened to Descendants, just do it. It's that they're, they're just such an incredible melodic punk band. But that, that really, I think if I'm, if I'm trying to sound cool, I would say some kind of, um, emotional American punk or maybe Jimmy Eat World. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm being honest, it's probably um, Angels by Robbie Williams or Never Ever by All Saints. Because those are the songs that were at the school disco when the song would come on and the girl that you're in love with, when like uh, Kate, uh, whatever, you know, and she suddenly asks like Leo to dance and it's not you and you're just stood at the side crying in your <laughs> to yourself. <laughs> And Angels comes on. Like, that shit lives with you forever. Yeah. I mean, that is... Uh, I mean, we, we recorded some podcasts, which we've, which we've never released, uh, and one of which we sat down with Guy Chambers, didn't we? And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and went and, and spoke to him. Um, do you know... Because only for the... Speaking of really beautiful songs, um, I only found out a little while ago that... I knew that she's the one was a cover, mm. but I didn't realise it was World Party. And mm-hmm. and was Guy anything to do with that band? Yeah, so Guy Guy wrote. I think Guy wrote that song with World Party, right? And then just sort of went. That's a good song. No one heard that. Fuck yeah. it, let's do it. Um, and then very cleverly got all the royalties. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, 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 not all, but not all of them. But like, I mean. That is, um, yeah, very smart and savvy. But also, he was right. It was a song that came out that... Was it a hit when it came out? No. It was. No. no. Well, I think and World Party had sort of moderate chart success in the late 80s, early 90s, but nothing mm. substantial. Um, but, I mean, who knows? Maybe Robbie Williams was like, oh, man, that song, She's the One, is a banger. I can't believe that wasn't a hit. And then they both just looked at each other and a light bulb went off, you know? I mean, they didn't do a great deal to it. It's very like for like the version. Uh, mm. It's uh, it's a cracker. She's the one reminds me of being on tour in a punk band in a van at three a.m. 
uh, on the motorway. It just came. It would come on every six songs on late night radio. She's the one. Um, but Angels is really uh, the one that is the Angels and Never Ever. Yeah, those are the heartbreak ballads. Well, let's go on a more positive angle then. What song reminds you of the first time you fell in love? Um, a Whole New World <laughs> from Aladdin. Okay. Yeah. It's a great song. It's a great song, yeah. Mate, there's, you, you could, again, there's so many unbelievable love songs in the Disney yeah. canon. Um, I had a CD when I was a kid called The Princess Collection. Um which I uh, was obviously teased for, but who cares? There were so many good songs yeah. on that record from all the sort of Snow White stuff all the way up. But A Whole New World is like, that song was um, when I was a kid. I think I was probably four or five when the film came out, but then I remember he- hearing it on the radio when I was older. Um, and uh, yeah, that was the one. Just because you think, you know, when you're young and... Love does, it feels like a magic carpet, doesn't it? You're just, you're not on the ground, just soaring away, you know. Um, your best friend's a Bengal tiger. Um, it's, um... Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Her best friend in Aladdin is a Bengal tiger. You, that's a red flag, surely. I, I wouldn't mind having a having a Bengal tiger as a pal. That's pretty powerful. <laughs> um, yeah, a whole new world is also. It's an unbelievable. The, the harmonies in that at the end of that song are outrageously good. Yeah, mm. you a big Disney fan then? Yeah. Why are you surpri- Why are you looking at me like it's um, like that's a bad? Like you look like you don't like Disney films. No, I don't really. And okay. and, and and do you know what? It's like. I decided to put it to the test about a month ago, and because I've still got loads of people like that, I don't really like animated films. I like Toy Story, but mm. like you know, I'd love to go. Oh, you want to sing it? I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I, no, I haven't. No, and like, and then people will constantly reference like Disney and Disney Channel and things like that. And it's like, no, no. we got the Disney Channel for the Star Wars stuff, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to watch a Disney film. And I watched Jungle Book, and it blew my fucking mind. Which which blew one? The, 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 the original new one, one or the old one? Yeah, the original it's one. The yeah. It's it's fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. really amazing. Like quite moving. Mm-hmm. But and it's 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 um it's a really sad film. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, once you overlook the uh, pretty obvious uh, racist undertones of the movie. Um, which you just have to do with all those old Disney films. They're still great films, and it was a different time. But like some, like all the monkeys, and like, and then there's the um, which is the Disney film with the the birds, uh, 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 the the elephant one on it, Dumbo. Oh boy, mental. But um, mate, Jungle Book. Yeah, they have to give away their best friend. They raise this kid. 
and then they have to give him away. It's heartbreaking. But yeah. the songs are banging. Louis Prima. Um, have a look at the video, the YouTube footage after this of them when they recorded King of the Swingers because Louis Prima had his band in the studio and he made them all walk around in a circle like they did at the live show while they recorded it to get that kind of stomp and that flow and that swing. And there's just a really stressed engineer following them around with a microphone <laughs> during the whole take. It's really good. Um, but, mate, you've got, you're in for a treat. There are so many great um, Disney films that you, you yeah. I'm very jealous that you're going to experience them for the first time. Maybe. Maybe. When you write songs, did you, did you lean instantly to whenever you was writing to write about love? Um, yeah. There's a, I mean, songs are really about two things, aren't they? It's, aren't they just about sort of lo- heartbreak or falling in love? Yeah, I think so. Most, or maybe, uh, I mean, what, I mean, there's, I don't know if I consciously did it, but I think when I, um, made the slightly fatal error of signing to like, it's not an error, but I signed to a big like pop management group who, um, who put me into the studio with all these co-writers and stuff like that. And you go in and co-writing is, um, you essentially, you go into a room with another person who is a professional songwriter and you try and write a hit record. And it's like a, a factory where you would go to either Sweden or LA or London and, and you just go in with all these people and, and, you know, five days a week, five different writers maybe, and you try and write a different song every day. And when that started happening, it was very, I was very consciously trying. I was like, okay, what do people like about love? What do, what's a good title for a love song? And it, I think at that point it, it became very intentional, but probably none of it was very good, I don't think. Yeah. So we've spoke about the greatest love song. What do you think's the greatest song that's ever been written about heartbreak? Um, that's a good question. I'm going to have a look at my notes. Um, I've got um, Todd Rundgren, Can We Still Be Friends? Yeah. Does that count? Yeah, of course. I think that might be, that might be the best one. In my, in my, you know, in my opinion, obviously, but I love, I love the time signature change. I love the, um, I just love the feel of it. It's such a great feeling song. Um, maybe, um, Rufus Wainwright, the art teacher. I don't know if that's, I don't know if it's a heartbreak song, but it's about him being in love with his art teacher when he was a young boy. And growing up and looking back on it, and that was his first real love. And I think that's a... But I don't know if that's a, a heartbreak song. Um, don't Speak, No Doubt. Yeah. Why, why, why are you surprised? Sorry, that was really mean, wasn't it? Yeah? That's a, that's a, a huge tune. I, I a, really... No mean. Doubt. That's a, it's, like an, it's like an opera. It's a mini opera, that song. Yeah. I don't, oh. I, don't, I don't like theatrics in music. It's not that theatrical. And it has a Spanish guitar solo. <laughs> Who doesn't love a nylon string? Which means that when they did it live, the guitarist had one of those Spanish guitars on a stand. Oh, incredible. You know? Yeah, it only really course. happened in the 90s where he'd go yeah. over, he'd be playing electric guitar. 
It's all ending. You gotta stop pretending. Who we da 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 da, and then you run over and turn the volume off the electric, and then go. And then the ending. Oh my god! La 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 la. Hush, hush, darling. It is such a big song. I cannot believe that you of all people don't recognise that that is the perfect song. Do you know what? Like, it's very rarely that we disagree on music, Josh. Right? But I, I, I don't like that song. Oh, man. And like, and do you know what? If, if no doubt ever tried to redeem themselves, and they tried to do it by covering Talk Talk, it just made my hatred grow. Yeah, but that's... They weren't trying to redeem themselves. They just like that. Is that the... down? Is that one? It's my life. It's my life. Yeah. No, that's Bon Jovi you just sung there. It's my life. And it's now... You know, Max Martin wrote that. Did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really interesting. I love that. Bon Jovi had... Obviously, the biggest band of the late 80s, early 90s, or one of, and then sort of fell off the radar, made a few stinker records and a greatest hits, and then someone at their label went, lads, either get out the shop or get Max Martin in. And they went, yeah, okay. And then they wrote this song with... I think Max Martin wrote it for them. Yeah. Um, or maybe with them, but um, it's a really interesting so- song, It's My Life, because it's the first time Bon Jovi sort of referenced themselves. Um, instead of trying to break new ground, they went, okay, well, we're good at this. So they got the vocoder back. Because um, on Living on a Prayer starts with that, oh, mm. whoa, whoa, oh, oh, whoa. And then It's My Life starts with the, oh, oh. And it has the same. That's oh, very oh. true. And then in the chorus of Living, the verse, the characters in Living on a Prayer, is it Tommy and Tina, right? Yeah. Tommy, uh, Tina, Tommy used to work on the docks. Tina works the diner all day. And then in It's My Life, um, he says Tommy and Tina. They're the characters in, the, in It's My Life. Ah. As well. But it's always like, names like that are in so many American rock songs. What, what's what's um, Summer of 69? Is that Tommy? Um, no, it was... J- uh, Jimmy Quit, Johnny Got Married. Jody. Was it Jody Got Married? Was it? Jimmy yeah, Quit, so. Jody Got Married. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Is that a love song? Also... I love that. Summer of 69, first of all, Brian Adams is full of shit because he was nine years old when, when he <laughs> in the summer of 69, right? <laughs> so when he goes... Uh... <laughs> full of shit, man. <laughs> that John Denver's full of shit, man. <laughs> but then also... He goes, had a band and we tried real hard. No, you didn't. You were didn't, nine. Did yeah. You were nine years old. And then the bit when he goes, uh, standing on your mama's porch, I knew, thought that it would last forever. It's like, what are you doing out? You're nine. Yeah. You shouldn't yeah. be allowed out. At Definitely nine. not. Like, social services should have been involved. <laughs> uh, yeah. And also, when you look back, they were hardly the, like the best did. days of your life. You've had a shit life. <laughs> but I think that's the point, isn't it? It's meant to be. I don't uh, think he wrote. I think it's like Glory Days by Bruce Springsteen, which is meant yeah. to be quite a. Uh, that song's meant to be like, I've had a shit life, I think. Yeah. Isn't it? Glory Days. Yeah. Um, and 
Yeah, I think that the irony, I think, you know, Brian, Brian Adams is, he's the Canadian Bruce Springsteen, isn't he, really? Do you think, see, I've got this thing that the artists want to be Springsteen, right? And I get that, right? You know, you, you've, got, you've got artists like Gaslight Anthem, which make really great records, right? And, and will probably get taken seriously as, you know, as, as I don't know how you want to legitimise them. But I think all, all John Bon Jovi's ever wanted in his life is to somebody to sort of go, yeah, he's, like, he's a bit like Springsteen. Mm. Oh, yeah. And he's from New Jersey as well, isn't he? It's never going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I disagree. I think Bon Jovi are a phenomenal band. Um, I think that they have um, uh, made a few too many albums, but what else are you meant to do? That's the thing with musicians, when people go, oh, I should have quit years ago. It's like, do you know what else? They can't do anything else. Um, you know, just let them, you know, just let them carry on. Have you seen them? Uh, bon Jovi? Yeah. Never. I wouldn't go now because um, Richie Sambora is not in the band, so I'm not interested. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they kicked the, the guitarist out. He, I bet he's quite difficult, John Bon Jovi. I think he likes to kind of present himself as a bit of a... Uh, oh, mate, a bit have of you a... not seen um, When We Were Young or While We Were Young, the uh, Bon Jovi did, documentary? No. Did, did he they... have anything to do with it or was he just like... Yeah, yeah, it's a black and white. First of all, it's in black and white, which Amazing. you know when an art, when a band makes a decision to make anything in black and white, they've disappeared right up their own jacksy, right? And um, and it was about, I guess, pushing twenty years ago now, or maybe fifteen years ago, they made this documentary about how they were still the biggest band in the world and they were on tour. And, and um, there's a bit where um, I know the film so well, I think I can quote it directly. John Bon Jovi goes, uh, he goes, people ask me, you know. Um, you know, do I miss being in a van and seeing the whites of people's eyes? He goes, Bon Jovi's always catered for a big audience, and I'm very comfortable with that. And then he goes, uh, people ask me, do I miss when the band was, you know, uh, small? He goes, no, fuck that. He goes, I want to play the desert and sell it out. And then what he's trying to do is the rule of three for emphasis. I want to play the desert, sell it out, and then a third thing. But he runs out of things to say, so he goes... <laughs> So he, so he goes, I want to play the desert and sell it out. And then there's this pause, and he just goes, more than once. <laughs> God, God love him. God love him. He's an American hero. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, look, we've recorded this literally a couple of days ahead of Valentine's. Um, so I, I, I offer you my love for coming on here today, Josh. It's always an absolute pleasure to catch up and have a natter with you. Um, unfortunately, if I wouldn't know we was going to be doing this a little bit more in advance, then I would have uh, jumped on a train and, and found a little space where we could have recorded this and then gone and had a beer and, uh, and, and had a hug. Um, Josh, what's coming that. up? What's happening, man? Uh, I'm doing a lot of stand-up, a lot of stand-up. Um, so I would Im implore anyone to go on my Instagram and, and click on the ticket link and just come to a show. Um, or just follow me on Instagram as well for some comedy content. Um, yeah, that's it, man. Just gigging a lot, trying to put a show together, trying to figure out, you know, what what to talk about and trying to make people laugh in clubs wonderful josh i'll tag you in this when it comes out but if people want to go and um find you that aren't uh looking at this right now on instagram where do they find you it's instagram.com forward slash bon jovi official 
<laughs> Thanks, Josh. There you go. Josh Weller, what an absolutely lovely human being. Um, go check out the original episode that I recorded probably three years ago with Josh, um, face-to-face in the in the Hoxton Bar and Grill many, many moons ago. Um, I met Josh uh, when we recorded uh, the Hardcore Listening Podcast first and just connected with him straight away. He's just such a nice guy. And yeah, it's been really amazing watching his career go, you know, from music and then, you know, moving into comedy and then just seeing him soar as a comedian. It's, uh, it's, it's brilliant to watch. Josh was also recently on the Mama Mama podcast, which is also part of the Distraction Pieces podcast. So go check that out. Josh was also a guest on Distraction Pieces many, many moons ago. Um, that's a great listen as well. Um, so yeah, go check out that and whatever you do, go and follow Josh on Instagram because, uh, Laughs are plenty, people. Um, have a lovely Valentine's Day. Um, I hope you're all feeling loved. And if you're not, then uh, I love you. And, uh, yeah, go go play some records that, uh, that you've fallen in love with because uh, music makes everything a little better. Take care. See you soon. Be excellent to each other. Love you lots. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat & Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. You've made stew with him. Eat it, monkey.